was important for them to be able to get their hands on that ship as well. But it's now gone. But how was I supposed to know the mafia were watching the television? South Africa is, as far as they are concerned, a place where you can commit crime and not be easily detected, especially in the crimes that they were involved in, the high-tech skimming devices. I never thought this guy was... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Was uh, wealthy, from my point of view, was a very wealthy guy, you know? Yeah. They... And I didn't was coming from from this but you know since the dawn of international trade south africa's shores have acted as a halfway point a place to restock trade and move on not much has changed for drug cartels around the world except perhaps what is being traded welcome to the cape of cocaine a mini serial podcast production by arena holdings which investigates the reach of the bulgarian mafia's cocaine routes into south africa Join us every week for the next month as we pull apart the tangled web of underhanded dealings, police investigations, violence and court cases which have accompanied the expansion of the Bulgarian Mafia's operations in South Africa. This is episode 2, so if you are new to the show, please go back and listen to episode 1. We aren't going anywhere and we'll be right here when you are ready. This week we get into how the Bulgarian Mafia is managing to operate in international waters without being detected. How, with the flip of a switch, huge cargo ships full of drugs disappear, allowing narcotics to be shipped all over the world. I'm your host Oren Singh. To make sure you never miss an episode of Cape of Cocaine, please subscribe to our Boots on the Ground podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like our show, please take a second to leave us a review on your streaming app. This will help more people find and enjoy the show. There's a ghost ship floating somewhere in the sea off the coast of South Africa. Some say it's the ship of Bartolomeo Diaz, the Portuguese explorer, who first rounded the Cape of Storms, a name he gave to the southern tip of Africa in 1488. When he tried to cross it again in the year 1500, his ship was lost in a winter storm and disappeared forever. Others say it was the Dutch ship under the control of Captain van der Decken who tried to double around the Cape through a wild storm. Legend has it that in his most dire hour, he bet his and the souls of his sailors in a game of dice with the devil. He lost. His ghost ship, the Flying Dutchman, has been seen since by many as an ominous orange glow on dark nights at sea. To those who have seen the Flying Dutchman, it is as real as any ship. On July 11, 1881, England's King George V was a young midshipman on the British naval vessel HMS Bacante, captained by Prince Philip's great-uncle Louis of Battenberg, when they and several ships in their squadron reported having seen the Flying Dutchman. This is an excerpt from King George's diary. 
The ordinary seaman who had reported the Flying Dutchman fell from the topmast cross trees and was smashed to atoms. His body was committed to the deep with full naval honours, and his messmates were left certain that van der Decken had gained another member for his ghostly crew. The crew of the Flying Dutchman could never call to port again. They were cursed, and crews from other ships know to sail away from it when they spot it. There are ghost ships today too, you know. Aaron Heyman is an investigative reporter for Times Live, and he has been tracking the Bulgarian Mafia's cartel routes in South Africa. He has stood on the spar deck of a modern-day ghost ship and returned to tell his tales. A ghost ship in today's terms is a ship that has dropped off the radar. They've switched off their satellite tracking systems or their automatic identification systems. Even with Google Maps and all the satellites and planes monitoring the planet, finding a ship in the middle of the ocean can be very difficult. There are many ports in the world that are modern-day pirate coves where criminals can go and hide out and even trade their wares or conduct smuggling operations without anybody knowing that they're there. They can wait there indefinitely until the heat uh, come off them a little bit and then they can perhaps um, move around or even traverse the oceans without turning any of their systems on and it presents a major issue f for law enforcement. These ghost ships are very <laughs> difficult for law enforcement authorities to track. One of the ships in the Bulgarian Mafia's fleet is now a ghost ship. No one knows where the ship, known as the Atlantic Warrior, or her crew, is. She is the Atlantic Ocean mothership in the Bulgarian Mafia's global cocaine fleet. She used to travel across the ocean carrying thousands of kilograms of cocaine from South America to South Africa every few months. Just like the Flying Dutchman, she can never call into any port in the world again. She and her crew are wanted. Reporters and law enforcement have and have always had a tricky relationship. Reporters need to keep the public informed, but the public also includes the bad guys. Sometimes in the course of uncovering a story, journalists can get in the way. After the Saldana Bay bust, which we pulled apart in episode 1, our investigative reporter Aron started to try and unearth more about the syndicate, but little did he know that the syndicate had been keeping an ever closer eye on him too. I started looking into the story when <laughs> I received a, um, a picture or a few photos from an underworld source on my WhatsApp number. And uh, on this picture I could see South African Special Task Force members standing in front of what appeared to be a massive amount of drugs. And you can see these drugs are in these packages. You just know that this is what it is, it's drugs. And these guys seem to be standing at, at a harbour and the person just said, you know, they, they had seized heroin uh, in Saldana Bay. And um, that was on the, on the day of the actual seizure. 
and uh, I asked the police uh, spokespeople in the Western Cape, you know, what's going on, and they told me that there'd been a seizure of drugs, and I started reporting on the story. I told my editors that the only way that we're going to get on top of this, and it, at, at that stage it seemed to be one of the largest drug busts I had ever seen being reported by the police. According to Lieutenant Colonel Johann Smith, who runs the Western Cape Organized Crime Narcotics Unit, it was among the top three biggest busts in South African history. Regarding cocaine, I think it's the second biggest in South Africa, second or third biggest in South Africa, but uh, the other two were just over a ton. So this will be the, as far as my knowledge is, this is the second biggest. And yeah, I thought that this is very interesting. It's very interesting that you find a ship filled with drugs. There had been arrests, and when I found out that the arrests were Bul Bulgarian nationals, I mean, it's it's not every day that that Europeans are arrested for drugs in South Africa. So I thought that perhaps they've arrested people quite high up in a criminal syndicate. I had known about the Bulgarian organized crime component in the Western Cape, um, and I've, I'd been reporting on that for some time. Aron and investigators were aware of Bulgarian links to ATM card-skimming syndicates. This is one of the investigators responsible for monitoring their activity. He has been kept anonymous for his own safety. They, they, well, they basically came after everything fall apart in Bulgaria, and South Africa is as far as they are concerned, a place where you can commit crime and not be easily detected, especially in the crimes that they were involved in, the high-tech skimming devices. And then I also think that specifically the 2010 World Cup played a big role. Tourists, everybody visiting South Africa, they made a lot of money just by cloning car details of persons at ATMs in South Africa alone. Um, and I had suspected that they into drugs, but at this scale, uh, I didn't think they were this high up or this sophisticated in terms of the global drug smuggling networks. Basically, after I started reporting on the seizure, I was contacted by um, BTV um, in Bulgaria and we did a few interviews that asked me the details of, of what had transpired. It's their national, one of their main television news channels, so it got quite a lot of coverage in Bulgaria, and they soon linked me up with one of their top investigative reporters. Well, let me just ask you as well, just because I'm uh, when I do the podcast, I might need to just introduce you in that thing. How long have you uh, been an investigative journalist for? Uh, yeah, I'm a journalist uh, more than 17 years. 17 or 18 years. Okay. 17 years is okay. And we started working together just seeing uh, how many leads we can follow up in both our countries. And yeah, this uh, reporter started giving me information about these actual guys who were caught in Saldana Bay and information about them in Bulgaria. Some of them were known to be active in, in criminal activities and then we found out that some of them 
were also known to the police in South Africa. I looked at, into previous court cases where one of the main guys, um, Arsen Ivanov, was actually, well, his money was confiscated and the police suspected that they were busy with a drug operation in 2014. It was when I was looking into the ships and I'd started doing my own investigations, looking to see what the origins of the ships were, and that I actually started coming across some of the other ships that might actually be part of this fleet of alleged cocaine vessels that I um, accidentally, well, I didn't know that it would be a wrong thing to do, but I spoke on Bulgarian uh, television about a ship called the Atlantic Warrior, which is sort of a cross-continental transit vessel suspected of being used to transport cocaine between South America and South Africa. The other one Другият кораб, Си Кондор, е обявен за изчезнал. Няма го и на радарите. Това е най-актуалната информация. Мисля, че международните вестници. Uh, investigator and they were relatively irritated by the fact that I had said what I had said on Bulgarian television and I explained that while I did not know that um, that this was an issue and would, would have been better if we had better open lines of communication but they basically explained that the ship is now gone. I also spoke with other sources, international law enforcement sources who congratulated me on my stellar reporting which inevitably ended up in the Bulgarian mafia basically switching off the ship's communication systems and the ship went dark and they could no longer track it. I, I suspect there might have been other members, uh, perhaps organized crime members on board that ship, perhaps more drugs, I don't know, but um, <laughs> it was important for them to be able to get their hands on that ship as well. But it's now gone. But how was I supposed to know the mafia were watching the television? How is it possible in the age of satellites and aircrafts and busy shipping routes for a 50-meter-long, 380-ton ship just to disappear? The Windward, a 34-meter former fishing vessel, was boarded by South African narcotics police in Saldana Harbor in March 2021 with a ton of cocaine on board. But she was not the only ship involved. She and the Atlantic Warrior were part of a fleet of ships owned by Asen Ivanov and the Bulgarian cocaine syndicate he worked for. Asen Ivanov is a Bulgarian convicted cocaine smuggler, currently imprisoned in South Africa after he was caught on the windward red-handed. Several police teams raided the foreign fishing vessel late last night. Drugs totaling 583 million rand were found hidden in compartments. Ten suspects were subsequently arrested on charges of dealing in drugs and will appear in the Fredenberg court soon. Drugs affect individual lives, but of course it's a massive a global network that is operating. And recent massive cocaine busts are a symptom of creeping corruption and inefficiency in government, says the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. The ten men... Uh, Uh, four from Bulgaria, six from Myanmar, uh, appeared at the Fredenberg Magistrates Court this morning. At the present, they are charged with uh, dealing in drugs uh, or uh, alternatively possession of, of drugs. The ships in his Bulgarian cocaine fleet operated undetected in and around territorial waters 
of dozens of countries. Their routes extended over 17,000 kilometers or halfway around the world. The Atlantic Warrior, a ship in the cocaine fleet, has switched off her automatic identification system. An AIS, it's an automatic identification system and it, it lets port authorities and other ships know the identification of your ship, what type of ship you are, what your details are, your registration number, if you will, or your IMO number. And it lets everybody know that uh, this is the type of vessel, what your weight displacement is. And you can, you can track ships on all sorts of platforms on the internet using their AIS. It's a sort of international norm that all ships above a certain weight class keep their automatic identification systems turned on. But there are ships that are a little bit naughty and they tend to switch these off. And you'll see with the current war in Ukraine, some of the, the Russian oligarchs' crews have turned off the automatic identification systems on their super yachts so that they can't be found and be seized by international authorities. In the three days before she came into shore with her load of cocaine, the Windward did this twice when she left the port of Saldana and ventured into international waters to meet with the mothership which brought her the consignment of cocaine. But Smith and his men were watching. One thing is definite. Um, these people involved with the transportation, transshipment uh, of large quantities, they're always trying to be one step ahead. That's why we, we always uh, need to identify new routes, because if you arrest a person, they know that they won't be able to use that. Although there is some of them that just continue doing the same thing over and over. But um, methods of uh, how they're transporting it, where they're hiding it. Um, we recently had a seizure where it was hidden underneath uh, a vehicle that was used as a, a taxi, underneath a floor and in the roof. Um, and uh, if you're not alert to certain things, it will look as this is normal and it will go through. And yes, there is unfortunately a lot of these things that's passing through, which is undetected. But we try and educate our members um, when we find a new method of transportation or where they're hiding it. We're educating all our members to be on the lookout for it. Uh, but on weekly, these people are very innovative and uh, they will find new ways and means to transport it. That I can assure you. The cocaine was transferred to the windward from the mothership known as the Sea Condor, somewhere in international waters, at least 12 nautical miles out at sea, away from the prying eyes of South African naval and police assets and radar. The Atlantic Warrior also regularly displays similar but even stranger behavior. She is a globetrotter and one of the syndicate's motherships. She started as a Japanese trawler, Tayumaru number 78 in 1986 before becoming a South African fishing vessel named the Nessa 7 in 2013. After that, she became known as the Sea Condor. But somewhere in the past three years, her name and a few other things changed. By trawling through open source maritime web platforms, Aron was able to establish that she was registered in landlocked Mongolia, a country known for mountains and horses. 
a business associate who knew Ivanov by one of his aliases, Alex Novak, told Arun that he helped Ivanov to register the sea condor in Mongolia three years ago, and he was still able to contact the ship off the coast of Namibia about four months before the bust. I never thought this guy was, uh, I don't know, I don't know, was uh, wealthy from my point of view, was a very wealthy guy, you know? Yeah. They, and I didn't think was coming from, from this, but you know, they, things happen. I've been researching this group um, as mm -hmm. uh, he seems to be part of the Bulgarian mafia internationally. <laughs> did, he, did he, from the very start, introduce himself to you as Alex Novak? From the very start, uh, to tell you the truth, if you ask me about when I met this guy, I know it was in 2013. Uh, I think was through the previous owner of Defiant, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't actually remember exactly the day. But it was during that uh, that time, you know, uh, through the previous owner of Defiant, mm -hmm. and always was uh, talking to me as Alex Novak. Yeah, you know, it was it was good to me always. Actually, you know, uh, I have nothing wrong to say about him, but obviously what he was doing was. Obviously, bad and illegal, and yeah, no, but sure. to me, he was always a good person. I'm sure you know? he's a very he's a very nice guy. I'm sure he's a charming guy as well. But uh, but you know, he <laughs> he yes, did yes, he yes, did yes, yes. he did uh, allegedly smuggle um, a ton yes, of cocaine yes. into South Africa. Okay, just uh, I don't know what to say because I feel even guilty now telling you all of these things because this guy, as I said, was very nice to me. Was a very nice owner to me. Okay, but, was uh, always and paying on time and everything. During our investigation last year, we learned that Mongolian authorities contacted him and asked him whether he had any means of making contact with the ship. He said that he couldn't. The ship has dropped off from all communication channels. The businessman, who runs a fleet of floating armories off the globe's most troubled coastlines for mercenaries to resupply at, said he asked Ivanov whether he could charter the ship, something he had done in the past. But this time, Ivanov simply refused. And I contract the vessel, charter the vessel directly from Cape Town to my to Red Sea, actually, to where I work, you know, yeah. to Red Sea. So uh, I know I know the vessel was straight away, you know, all the time working for me, chartered for me, from me, you know, and, and under my crew, and under my crew all the time. So, so the vessel was totally clear, okay? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the guy, this guy, uh, Alex Novak got, uh, well, uh, one or two crew members in there for the first few months, you know, mm. and after that just let, uh, just let the vessel totally in, in my charge, you know, uh, he was just receiving the, the charter fee from me every month, from me, you know, from my company, obviously, every month, mm. and he was, and he was in, quite in touch with me, actually, because yeah. as I said, uh, you know, while dealing with me, f with, with this, with this vessel until 2017, maybe. The vessel was clearly being used for something else. The businessman, who would prefer not to be named, now counts his blessings. Interestingly, on ship tracking website marinetraffic.com, another sea condor exists under a different MMSI number and registered under a Malta flag. Marine Traffic told Aron they have established that this is in fact the same ship, but something has changed. Installed on the deck of the stern of the ship is a large container not seen in previous photos of the vessel. Even more interesting is the Atlantic Warrior's location during its last voyage ever tracked by an AIS system, which was picked up by marine traffic. It last made contact on 15 August 2019 
at 4.17 a.m. with port authorities near the Uruguayan port city of Punta del Esta, where its crew told port authorities that it was a pleasure craft, perhaps a bold joke in reference to its cargo. Punta del Esta is situated close to the massive Paraguay River, a water highway that leads into the heart of South America. It connects Paraguay and, crucially for our tale, Bolivia and Brazil to the Atlantic Ocean. The river is the second longest navigable river in South America after the Amazon and its existence is crucial to the transport of drugs from South America to the rest of the world, including the shores of South Africa. The cocaine seized from the windward had its origins in one of the countries situated along the Andes mountain range, which include Bolivia, Peru and Colombia. These countries produce all of the cocaine in the world. Shortly before she was seen in South America, the Atlantic warrior was seen in the Bulgarian port city of Burgas on 18 February 2019. Most of us have this picture in our minds of small amounts of drugs being run across borders or carried by low-level drug mules. But the movements of the Atlantic warrior suggests that the Bulgarian operation is an example of true globalization and mass exportation of drugs like cocaine across the world. What is for certain is that South Africa is not the end destination for all this cocaine. South Africa, the harbors, the way where it's situated, the huge coastline, um, it's making it difficult to detect certain vessels, uh, to keep track on each and every vessel. So, yes, but it's being used as a transit point, yes. There are many other much cheaper drugs to fuel the demand for narcotics in a poor country such as ours. Ivano's syndicate was not going to send the cocaine back to their homeland in Eastern Europe either. They were going for gold. They were heading for Australia. In May last year, Australia arrested just about every underworld criminal operating in their territory. It was an ingenious project dubbed Operation Ironside. Today, the Australian government, as part of a global operation, has struck a heavy blow against organised crime. We have charged 224 alleged offenders, shut down six clandestine laboratories, acted upon 21 threats to kill, including saving a family of five, and seized 104 firearms and weapons and almost 45 million in cash. And these figures are likely to increase over the coming days. More than 4,000 officers from law enforcement in Australia have been involved in executing over 525 search warrants in every mainland state in Australia. And Ironside has arrested and charged who we alleged are some of the most dangerous criminals to Australia. We allege they are members of outlaw motorcycle gangs, Australian mafia, Asian crime syndicates and serious and organised crime groups. We allege they have been trafficking illicit drugs into Australia at an industrial scale. Sadly, criminal gangs are targeting Australia because it is one of the most profitable countries in the world to sell drugs. And for three years, this operation has been covert. The AFP had access to a new encrypted application named Anom and began running it without the knowledge of the criminal underworld. And the AFP provided the highly skilled technical staff and capability to decrypt and read these encrypted communications sent over Anom real time giving law enforcement an edge it had never had before. Essentially, 
we had been in the back pockets of organised crime and operationalised a criminal takedown like we have never seen. Before then, however, every cocaine trafficker was trying to get their product to Australia, where demand has pushed prices many times higher than in any country. To find out why cocaine fetches such astronomically high prices in Australia, we speak to Jason Eli, a drug expert with the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. Mm. I mean, it, it truly is a, a global commodity and there's, there truly is a global market. Mm. So the further away from the cocaine fields you can get a kilo, the more money you're going to get for it. For this, the Bulgarians had more ships. One of them, the Atlantic Explorer, was a former research vessel which was used to traffic cocaine from South Africa to Australia. It was sold on auction last year. The fleet also included a former South African police service anti-poaching boat, which Ivanov said was purchased by the Bulgarian syndicate and which he registered under one of his numerous false identities, Alex Lamezovic. He converted the boat into a pleasure yacht known as Luxet. People walking along the jetties of Club Mykonos in the west coast town of Langaban would have looked on with envy at the small craft, never knowing it was owned by a global cocaine mafia group. And as with many of the Bulgarian mafia's activities in South Africa, the vessel would have gone unnoticed were it not for a dwindling force of dedicated police officers shining light into dark places the public hopes they'll never have to visit. Join us next week when we unearth the inner workings of South Africa's Bulgarian underworld, unmask the key figure, Ivanov, and look into how the Bulgarian Mafia came to our shores and what they have been doing here up until their eventual capture in 2021. Drug-related assassinations, ATM fraud syndicates, and the collapse of the Soviet Union, and how it rerouted the Bulgarian Mafia to SA's shores. These are just some of the topics we have in store for our next episode. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like our show, take a second to leave us a review on your streaming app. This will help more people find and enjoy the show. Cape of Cocaine is brought to you by Arena Holdings and Times Live. This podcast is narrated by Aaron Singh. Investigations for this podcast were conducted by senior investigations reporter Aaron Hyman. Script writing by Aaron Hyman. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Executive production by Nikki Gulish and Diane Hawker. Published by the Sunday Times and Times Live Investigations. <laughs> <laughs>